Welcome to Let's Normalize It, Entrepreneurship, a podcast about normalizing the highs and especially the lows of running an independent business. Whether you're just starting out or have been in it for years, this podcast will help you feel understood and less alone on this journey. Welcome to Let's Normalize It. I am Ali Petrupka, the owner of the Prism Lighthouse, and today I am being interviewed by the wonderful Crystal Johnston of Wildflower Business Solutions. You can find out more about her in the next episode where I interview her. But today, to kick off this whole podcast, I only felt that it was right that I answer all the questions that I am asking other people to answer because my biggest belief in life is I cannot expect anything or ask anything of another person that I am not willing to do myself. So how can I be like, hey, business owners, come and be vulnerable and honest on my podcast without doing it myself. So I'm excited to get interviewed by Crystal and then thank you so much for being the one to interview me. Well, thank you so much for asking me. Before I get into all of these questions, I think that people need to know a little bit more about you. So what did you do before you started the Prism Lighthouse and what kind of led you down the path to get here? Oh gosh, how long do we have? How far back do you want to go? <laughs> I don't know. Give me the Coles Notes version. Coles Notes. So I guess I really started on this path um, probably when I graduated high school, I moved out to Vancouver, British Columbia to get a diploma in fashion merchandising. And I guess that's where my path started of doing unexpected and different things that were going to force me to have to create my own jobs in the future because <laughs> they're, you know, living in Manitoba, there are jobs in Winnipeg if I wanted to move there, but I don't because I don't like Winnipeg <laughs> enough to live there. Um, so wanting to like live in rural Manitoba, I was like, well, this isn't, this isn't an option. And then my mom six years ago was diagnosed with breast cancer. And that's when I really started getting even more into health and wellness. It was always something that I was interested in. Uh, but that's when I decided that I would become a holistic nutritionist and go back to school for that. And living in Manitoba, I did it distance because, again, I didn't want to have to move. They don't even have a school in, in Winnipeg. I would have had to left the province to go to school for that. And realizing that as a nutritionist, there's no jobs out here <laughs> again. I, like, it's not that I don't think about these things. I just they don't stop me from doing what I want to do. You know, I'm like, well, I'll figure it out as I go. So then you can get jobs as a dietitian, but that's like a four-year degree. You have to do like an internship. It's a whole thing. I didn't want to be a dietitian because I didn't want to be part of the government food plan, which I think is complete bull bullshit and is controlled by money, not by what is actually healthy for people. So I wasn't going to be in the hospital telling people who just had heart attacks to like eat more red meat. I'm like, oh, this just doesn't feel like, <laughs> and here's like your salt intake for the day. Like that just doesn't feel right. So I became a health coach and this was probably 2012, 2013, somewhere in there when kind of like coaching was just starting out. It wasn't as huge as it is now. Um, so I started health coaching and I grew into specializing in like digestive health. And then with that, I realized that, and at the same time, I was also teaching yoga. I I've been a, was a yoga teacher for eight years. <laughs> oh, forgot that bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like teaching classes locally. Um, so realizing that like what I was doing with yoga and what I was doing with nutrition, everything kept leading me back to like the inner self, the mind, the soul, the intuition, because when we're trying to like, quote unquote, fix ourselves through, through a diet or through a regime, that's not really getting to the root of our unhappiness, which is our disconnection from self, our disconnection from others. So that path just 
kept meandering and I just kept following it. Um, this is so not the cold version. There's <laughs> so much to share. Um, eventually I realized that like health coaching was not for me at all because I am not interested in giving people quick fixes or magic pills. And I found that as coaching grew this like weird diet industry of coaching was growing and I just did not want to be part of it. It didn't feel good to me anymore to like, just tell people what to eat, but not really have the structure to go into the why and the soul and the what is driving you behind all of this connection. So then I was just teaching yoga for a while and I started the virtual yoga studio in January of 2018. Um, and that really got me into doing more online work and more marketing online and focusing on Instagram and life led me to start reading tarot cards and that grew and I found that was the thing that I was really able to help people in their life without giving them my own advice because I have a lot of opinions but I hate pe telling people what to do because I hate being told what to do <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not going to turn around and tell people what to do but through tarot cards I find I can give people the guidance and the validation and the understanding that they're craving um, and help them find it within themselves rather than just being like, well, Allie told me to do this, so I'm doing it because that's what she said. They can say, well, I'm doing this because this is what feels right to me. And I've learned how to trust that gut instinct. And so this is where I am now doing like 10 million different things with the Prism Lighthouse. We have the Spiritual Social Network. We have tarot card readings. We have this podcast. We have the Intuitive Reader Community where I help people connect to their intuition through reading tarot cards. And then who knows what 2021 has in store for us. I've already taken like four projects off the table <laughs> for January because I was like, this is too much, but we'll see. They'll come back. <laughs> that works. What did you believe about running a business before you started? And is that still true today? I had a lot of beliefs about or ideas about what it would be like to run a business before I started because growing up, both my parents ran their own businesses. My mom had a flower and gift shop um, from the time I was eight to about 14. And then before that, she had started another little gift shop in the little town we lived in of like 300 people and when I was like really little. So it was always something that was in my life from her. And then my dad was a farmer and a truck driver and he was like the handyman around town for a while. And we ran the beach concession for a summer when I was 10 and I worked there. So like working for yourself and starting businesses was always something that was around. And like my brother owns his own business now. My sister has always done like independent contractor type of work. So it's just kind of who we are as a family. Um, but from watching my parents as I was growing up, my belief of running a business is that it had to be stressful and you had to work 16 hours a day and it had to be hard. And those are stories that I do still believe in part of me, but every day I'm like overriding them <laughs> and telling myself like fun equals success, like hard work doesn't have to mean not taking care of yourself at the same time. They can coexist. Um, and from my mom having a brick and mortar store, a gift shop, I definitely, I'm really grateful for that because I say all the time that I would love to have like a brick and mortar store. Or when I was teaching yoga, I'd love to have a yoga studio, but from getting the back behind the scenes view of what it means to run a brick and mortar store. I also keep reminding myself that that means like, if the person who's supposed to work on Saturday calls in sick, all of a sudden your weekend plans are canceled because you have to go work in the store and your money is tied up in inventory. And you know, like there's just so much more to think about. So that was a big push towards being a digital creator for me, because if I create something and it doesn't work, then I just lose my time. 
I'm not actually losing money as well. Um, but other than that, I think a lot of what I thought about being a business owner is true because I had a really good example of what it looks like and what it takes to wear all the hats and do all the things and be the marketer and the creator and the creative and the accountant all at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Uh, What's your favorite part about your business? Uh, My favorite part is like so much. I love what I do. Um, I definitely like being the person to make the decisions. I like, I'm very independent. And like I said, I don't really like being told what to do. So I like to be the person who gets to try new things. And if I have an idea, I can test it out and I can pivot and I can change and I can grow. That's huge for me. I'm a Sagittarius. So I'm always growing. I'm always changing. If something's not working, I'm looking at it and saying, okay, what can I do differently? What can I add? What can I subtract? How can we adapt with this? And then the thing that I love the most about what I do is creating community and giving people a space where they feel understood and seen and validated and belonging and connection with other people who are like them because as a spiritual person especially out here in a really rural space (laughs) it can be hard to find people who understand you and who get you and there's people who will like listen to you but to have to explain what tarot is before you even get to your point is (laughs) (laughs) it's totally different than just being able to like hop into the spiritual social network and be like, oh my God, this happened. And everyone's like, oh, I get it. Yes. (laughs) No explanation required. Yeah. What is your least favorite part about owning a business Um, or your business? (laughs) um, Having the ability to do whatever I want and having to make all those decisions and having (laughs) to be the one to decide when something's not working, how are we going to change and adapt and grow? So So the reverse of all of your favorite things are all the things that are the worst. Yeah. I get it. Because that's like, you know, like just because something's pleasurable and there's joy in it doesn't mean it's not challenging. And there's so many days where I'm just like, fuck it. Like it would be so (laughs) nice to just show up somewhere and be told what to do for eight hours and just go into robot mode and leave with eight hours worth of paycheck money and, and not have to take it home. Because, just like, it's not my problem. I'll, somebody else's. Exactly. And one of the things, um, I feel so lucky that we have technology and that we have the internet because I wouldn't be meeting people from England or from Washington or from Puerto Rico, you know, like we wouldn't be able to create these connections and being rural people you live out where I live like being rural people it's hard you don't always have the ability to drive into town or meet up with the girls like we can just hop onto zoom but the flip side of that is technology also drives me insane like 10 minutes ago when we were recording and (laughs) my internet shut down or being in a small town that's one of the big challenges is the internet's not always reliable technology does weird stuff. I'm like about to hit play on a workshop and my internet shuts down and I'm crying and yelling at my boyfriend to fix it while texting people being like, don't leave. I'm coming back. (laughs) You've been through a few of those moments with me where everyone's like, where'd Allie go? I'm like texting you. I'm like, tell everyone my internet shut down. I'm coming back as soon as possible. Well, and then phones don't always work, right? Like when you live in the middle of nowhere, you can't even sometimes send a text message on top of all of the other things. Yeah. Exactly. So I enjoy the chaos of running a business and it's also probably the biggest source of stress, but that's two sides of the same coin. You don't, you can't have freedom without risk at the same time. I like to think that when you own your own business, you get to choose your stress. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you work for a big corporation, you don't, they Mm -hmm. will tell you what you're going to be stressed about. 
Whereas you get to decide, like, am I going to stress about fixing my web page or am I just going to like leave my web page broken? Exactly. I think that was in the subtle art of not giving a fuck where he, have you read that? I've read most of it. Mm-hmm. Well, I listened to it and then my subscription ran out. Because oh. like that. So you borrow an audiobook. Exactly. I think it's in that book where he talks about um, like choosing your battles where like no one goes through life without stress or without struggle or without challenge. But when you're consciously making the choice of this is what's going to be difficult because everything's going to be difficult, but this mm-hmm. is the difficult I'm choosing. It shifts the perspective completely. And for me, I'm able to see the joy within it and still allow myself to validate the fact that I'm allowed to be stressed out or I'm allowed to not be happy every single minute of the day. I always think of like, I don't know if you're a Sex in the City fan or if anyone listening was, but there's this part where it, I think it's in the last season and Charlotte's married to Harry and the girls are asking her like, well, how often are you happy in your relationship? And she was like, every day. And they're like, you're happy every day. And she's like, well, not all day, every day, but there's always something to be happy mm-hmm. about. And that's the thing. Like, as long as you're happy enough for you, then I find like the struggles and the stress isn't as big of a deal. That's good. I, um, I can't remember if I read it somewhere, but I remember reading or hearing and they said, um, people will always have a problem with money, whether you don't have enough of it or whether you have too much of it. Money is always a problem. How your brain interprets that problem is different, but money itself is always a problem. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, you're right. If I had too much money, right? Like there's always the flip side of Mm -hmm. every coin. And I think when we're on our side of the fence, we forget that we just need to water our own grass and that the greener isn't always better. Exactly. Or that the green grass is actually fake. Yes. <laughs> yes. I like that. Yes. There's a lot of fake grass these days. Yeah, definitely. It feels like I would think that because for at least two or three years, it's been a pretty consistent narrative on social media that social media is fake. And, you know, there's like that woman who does all like the the joke pictures of celebrities where she's like in her like (laughs) Denver Haynes underwear instead of her like La Perla. And so I would think that that would have changed enough by now, but it doesn't. It always feels like there's some new way to pretend to be something else. And I understand it. Like the pressure is real. I a hundred percent agree. And especially now um, when there's kids involved, that adds a whole new realm of um, guilt or shame or, Mm -hmm. you know, unknown, not good enough. Like there's that whole, once there's kids, I just feel like that changes the narrative massively. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And speaking of kids, like I always try to remind myself that the up and coming influencers are 17 and live at home with their parents (laughs) and don't have adult problems yet. So of course they have all day to sit around in their bathing suits and work out and film videos with their friends. They don't have dishes. They don't have bills. They don't have kids. They still have metabolism. Let's be real. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. Next question. Money. What is your, or sorry, are your expenses paid easily? No. Straight up, no. Uh, Are you profitable? How long did it take for you to become profitable? Um, How many clients do you have? What parts of that do you want to touch on? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, I love the topic of money because I think it's the one that people, because it's hard to talk about money. We don't want to, and especially like we all want to, okay, I'm going to speak for myself, not for everyone. I want to give the, air of success and then I have my shit together especially as a person who even though I don't like to tell people what to do I kind of tell people what to do <laughs> so like we we like I feel like oh people aren't going to take you seriously if you seem like you don't have all your shit together you don't have it all figured out um and then what I keep telling myself constantly is like as soon as you figure it out if you're still growing as a human being which that's like my purpose in life, yeah, then it 
will continue to grow with you. So there's always a new it to figure out. So none of us will ever have it figured out unless you become stagnant and stop growing in your life. Um, so as of right now, I could be profitable if I got rid of my business coach. That's my biggest expense is my business coach. But for me, it is so important, one, to not be the person leading a group because I, you know, I lead Zoom calls, I lead Astro Season celebrations, I lead gathering circles, like I lead on Instagram, I lead trivia nights, like I lead so many things that the opportunities where I just get to sit back and be the spectator yeah I like I hold those so precious so being able to gather with other business owners and not be the person who has to come up with the the timeline and come up with the questions like that's so important to me and that's where so much of my growth comes from is just to be able to be in a space where I can just riff on whatever I'm talking about. And it's again, a group of people who get it. They're all online mm -hmm. spiritual entrepreneurs. So I can just be in that space and they get it. And that's where my growth really comes from. Um, so my, my business coach is my biggest expense right now. Um, and so 2020 was actually surprisingly like the biggest year of growth that I've ever had. And that comes from a lot of things. Like I was a server for the last 11 years and being a highly sensitive person and an empath, like being around people for eight hours a day in the time of day when I'm not my best, like night time, like I'd start work at four and work to like midnight or 1am sometimes like that is not when I'm my best. That is when I'm at my worst. So I would, too. <laughs> yeah, I would have to spend the entire next day recharging to go back out and give all that energy away. So when COVID came and I stopped serving, all of a sudden I had that energy, like physical, emotional, spiritual, creative energy to funnel into my business and into what I was doing. And that created a huge amount of personal growth and realizing like maybe because I was like struggling so hard with the virtual yoga studio because I just so badly wanted it to work. And I was like, there's other people who are doing something similar to me and they're, their work, it's working for them, you know, like yeah. Joe Schmo is just putting on Instagram, like, Hey, yoga class tomorrow on zoom. And they're getting 40 people signed up. And I feel like I'm fighting for every single person to sign up. And there's, there's so much in that. Um, but I was finally able to step back and take that as a sign of like, if you are fighting for every little step, it's not the path you're supposed to be on. Like it's time to let that go and be able to channel that energy into the growth. So, and then that's when things really took off, like August, September, October was like my big, my first really big month of tarot card readings because I had the energy and I had the excitement back because I wasn't putting it all into something that I was trying to force. And so October, November, and now December have been really good. I'm closing out the year with like seven tarot memberships, whereas I started with one, you know, and throughout the year, like it grew two, three, four, and I sold four in the last month. So that's been Yay, huge. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah. Um, my expenses aren't huge because I'm digital and that's a conscious yes. thing. Like I pay for teachable so that it's American. So it works out to about $50 Canadian a month. Just depends on when our exchanges, which isn't good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, you're my, you're my bookkeeper. You know what I, what else do I pay for? <laughs> I pay for you. I pay for crystal to do my yeah. books because I would never ever do them if <laughs> I left it up to, and I, I wasn't doing them. That's why I was like, Crystal, I need your help. I'm not doing them. It's a mess. I'm spending more time stressed out about keeping them organized. So I'd rather just get you to do them. Um, I pay for Canva to make like 
all my social media posts, graphics, eBooks, um, all of that is in Canva. You, you can pay, you don't have to pay for Canva. It's really good. The free version is really good, but I'm just lazy and I prefer the paid version because it makes things a lot easier because graphic design isn't my strong suit. And that's the other thing. Speaking of graphic design, anytime I do have a little extra in my budget, I always have some other big plan. So like, <laughs> and I am, I would much rather like pay my graphic designer to create things for me than spend an entire day trying to figure them out on my own when I could have done like three tarot card readings that day and made the money to yeah. pay her by doing something that I really enjoy and really love. What's one thing you've spent money on that you've regretted? Oh yeah. Other business coaches. <laughs> <laughs> so I've had, four, oh, go ahead. Wait. I was going to say, what about them that you like, did you not get what you expected? Was there just nothing there or why was it not valuable for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've had four business coaches right now. I, um, Sonia, um, mm. she's awesome. She's my business coach. I worked with Natalie bright in the past. She's amazing. If you don't follow her already, make sure you're following both Sonia and Sonia's just at Sonia and then Natalie bright on Instagram. They're both really amazing. Really. Sonia's really spiritual, very like, this is what your astrology is. This is what your human design is. This is how to like put that into your business. And that helped me a lot to stop forcing myself to work in ways that don't work for me naturally. And then Natalie Bright is like super ethical, super all about integrity and like building businesses that help humanity rather than help ourselves. And then the two business coaches that I worked with that weren't, I felt like they were a waste of money were, I felt unethical. They were that type of coach that is really starting to be exposed right now, where it's just about like, emotionally trigger people, force them to sign up, say whatever you have to say to get their credit card number. And then I felt like they never delivered what they said they were going to deliver. But it was always like that hook was baited where I felt like it was coming and it never came. And it, it mm -hmm. felt like a very toxic relationship. And in the end, I think I said to both of them, like, I feel like I could have just Googled all of this information. Like nothing was personalized and there was no one-on-one -on -one time. No one ever looked at my results or how things were working out for me. It was just like, here's a blanket idea that's going to work for all of you. And it's, they didn't really care if it worked out or not. And I definitely don't regret those experiences because they've deeply shaped how I now create things because I know like I would fucking die if someone ever left one of my programs and was disappointed and didn't tell me why or felt like they didn't get what they paid for or were tricked into it. Like I would feel so terrible if that happened in something I was doing. So it influenced me by like making my sales page is very clear. It's like, this is exactly what you're going to get. I always over deliver, but I would never, ever under deliver. Mm -hmm. And I don't try to like emotionally trigger people into making purchases. I'm just like, you know, if it's not for you right now, it's not for you. Like, is it okay if I message you again in two months and see how things are going, you know, like no pressure yeah. and everything I do is like, it's so hard for me to make group programs because I want everything to be personalized. I want everything to be one-on-one. Yeah. -on -one. And that's also part of my own challenge is like letting go of the responsibility of people's results. I keep, I'm trying to teach myself, like you're only responsible for you and what you put out. And as long as what I'm doing is ethical and I stand in it in integrity and I believe in it, then people's results aren't my responsibility because I can't come into your house and force you to do your morning tarot card <laughs> readings. Like I could, but then you'd be paying me like $10,000 a month to drive to your house every morning, you know? Yeah. So those Legit. are like the two biggest things that I spent money on and it, I didn't get what I wanted out of it, but it's always a learning experience. I think that's important for people to realize too, is that just because it didn't turn out the way you thought it would, the lessons you learned along the way 
that's why you went down that path. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're really expensive lessons. Sometimes they're really hard. Sometimes they hurt a lot, but they needed to happen to shape you and make you into the person you were meant to be. Yeah. And we totally get into this in the next episode where I'm interviewing you. We talk a lot about like pivoting and mm-hmm. what do you call them? Um, like personal, like my personal growth things or what? Uh... You, you had like a little a little phrase learning curves yeah my learning curves instead of like mistakes everything's a learning curve well i because someone once told me that you never fail and if you're not failing or like trying something new every day then you're not growing so Mm -hmm. you either a need to be failing every day or b you're just nothing and that to me was way more terrifying than sucking at tiktok so here we are yeah, me and Crystal texting each other every night. We're both over 30 being like, do you understand this reels thing? Like, what is this? How do people do the kick with the shoe? I don't understand <laughs> it. What One I, day. What, yeah, what I learned, I took a reels workshop because I was like, I need to figure this out. And even though it was like the lesson that I learned was the lesson that I teach everybody else is practice makes perfect and you just have to be patient and you just have to keep trying and trying and then one that you quick pill just yeah. be so much easier exactly um okay so we kind of went over the story of your entrepreneurship that was really struggled with that um but how many types of businesses have you ran So yeah, I have, like right now I'm doing, well, I guess it's like, what are we calling types? So, so like starting out as a yoga teacher, I taught in-person classes, me and a couple other friends did a yoga festival in Minnedosa beach. I was a yoga teacher trainer. I taught people how to be yoga teachers. That was awesome. And I loved it. And then I had the virtual yoga studio. Mm-hmm. And then I was the health coach and that was pretty much all online. And I did a little bit in person, um, in Brandon, but that was how I met you. Yeah, I know. Friendship. That, and so many of like my clients turn into friends, which is what I love. One of the things I love about the kind of work that I do. I always tell people when I'm doing tarot card readings, like I'm not like, those psychics that would like go on Jenny Jones in the nineties where they're like, don't tell me anything about yourself. There's a man and a J and someone would be like, Oh my God, that's my dad. I'm like, no, tell me things about you because this is a personal experience. I don't want you to just be someone else on the other side of a screen. This is a relationship. We're together for the next six months. So I need to know things about you to help shape the growth direction of this. Yeah. So then after business coaching, starting with the tarot, I've only done tarot online. Um, I started online. I actually sold my first membership on Boxing Day last year, 2019, to my grandma. (laughs) She was my first client. Um, I started online because I always thought that I hated doing video, but now I know that I just didn't have the energy for video because I was serving and giving all this energy out. I had to conserve whatever I had. So I started doing them by typing them up and emailing them to people. And that worked, that still works really great for my schedule because I can do them at any time. And it works great Mm -hmm. for other people's schedule because they can read them anytime. And some people like to consume information by reading rather than listening. So it's nice to be able to offer that for everybody's consumption style. Um, And then right around, it was like end of February, I started making plans like retarot in person and go back to teaching yoga in person. And then obviously 2020 had other plans. (laughs) So I've only done a few in-person tarot readings in the pockets of time when it was safe in Manitoba to interact with people in person, like when the farmer's markets were open and things like that, but that's really one of my goals is to be able to do that in person because it's a, it's a different experience. It's not better. It's just a different experience. 
I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Seeing as I've had all of the different ways. <laughs> yeah, you're Crystal's like my best client. You, you know, it's not, not it's not like you are like everything. Crystal's like, yeah, I'm gonna sign up for that. I was like, oh, you're amazing. <laughs> Changes my life. I need that in there. Oh, thank you. Uh, what was your biggest pivot or your biggest learning curve? Like, what was the thing that changed all the things for you? Oh my god, I don't know. I don't know if I can pick just one thing. Probably when I moved to Vancouver. So I graduated high school a semester early. And okay, you smarty pants. Not, no, like I was a very average student, but somehow I ended up in grade 12 um, English when I was in grade 11. And all the teachers were like, don't do it. It's going to be too hard. And I was like, fuck you. That's the one way to get me to do something is tell me. Hold my beer. (laughs) So, and I, I didn't do great. I didn't do terrible. So then all I had in grade 12 was I needed two math credits. So I took them in my first semester and it, two of my other friends also graduated early. So I think that was part of it too. And my mom graduated a semester early and so did my sister so I kind of wanted to keep that going yeah so then I moved to Vancouver in April so I was 17 living in a province where the drinking age is 19 not that I wanted to go out and drink but do you know how hard it is to meet people when you can't go to a bar (laughs) I I moved out when I was 17 too and Mm -hmm. I moved to Calgary so I know exactly how you feel yeah, and birthday's late too. So you had like all of that time, right? Until you turned 18 and then you still had to wait a year. Yeah, my mom flew me and my friend to Calgary for my 18th birthday. So I at nice. least could like have the 18th birthday experience. Yeah. Um, but yeah, by the time I moved, I turned 19, I was already living back in Manitoba. So it didn't <laughs> even matter anymore. But yeah, so I like, my sister was living in Vancouver and I didn't move in with her cause she was married. Like she, it's a big city. You don't just have extra space. So she found me a room in a house that she thought was a good idea. Uh, <laughs> after living there for six weeks, I was like, I'm pretty sure all the people who live in this house, like I don't want anyone to take this the wrong way, but imagine you're 17 going from a town of 2,500 people to a million people and everyone in the house is like over 40 probably like addicted to something or serious mental health issues and I was like I I need to get out of here yeah this is not um not jiving I need to go someplace safer (laughs) yeah it's safety was the thing and if anyone's familiar with Vancouver I was just off of commercial drive which is like no, it's a cool place to hang out during the day, but not necessarily <laughs> where 17 year olds should be hanging out at nighttime. Um, Anytime you say something is safe during the day, <laughs> you know that it actually is probably never safe. We just justify it during the day because we can see what's coming. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I was going to, I went to school for fashion merchandising and I was working like three jobs. And it was just like exposed me to a whole different lifestyle. And I'm really grateful that I did it because growing up in a small town, I wasn't able to appreciate what I had when I was there. And I think if I had never left, I wouldn't fully be able to appreciate it now. And I was only gone for like two years, but when I decided to move back, it was because it was a very well thought decision. Of and it was your me. decision. Exactly. Yeah. And I wanted to be close to my family. I didn't like missing out on the weekend barbecues and the birthday parties. And although I was close to my sister, it was different than being close to my parents and my brother and my extended family and all my friends. When you moved home, did you feel like, um, everything moves slower? I don't know if I would say move slower, but I definitely was like a cult and not a culture shock, but like I was a different person, but no one else was able to understand who I I was because they hadn't experienced the same things I'd experienced. And that's one thing I also felt when I was doing yoga teacher trainings because I would travel for them. I realized I hate traveling alone 
because you have no one to share the memories with. And isn't the joy of traveling Mm -hmm. for me is to remember things and to look back on them. But if you have no one to share that understanding with, like saying even with spirituality, if you have to explain the thing before you get to the thing, it takes all the connection and the joy out of it. A hundred percent agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. Um, how does your business and working in your business affect your relationship with your significant other and your stepson? And how does that all work? I work really hard to make it work for me. And that's the thing. It's going to be different for everybody. Um, so my partner works away sometimes. I don't ever really want to say how much because it feels like a safety (laughs) threat. Um, but there are days when he's not here and then we have my stepson on the weekends. So I try to do as much work as possible during the week and not schedule anything for the weekends so I can be fully in to the family mode. And it feels like I get the best of both worlds because then I am able to like kind of separate the two. I try to take Mondays and Fridays off as much as possible from doing things where I'm really having to be present and connecting because I do find it super draining (laughs) to be like engaged the whole weekend. Um, So I usually like to take Monday as like my self-care day and Friday as like get everything ready to then step into the motherhood role for the weekends. Um, My partner is super, super supportive and I'm so grateful for that. I've had partners in the past who, it's not that they weren't supportive, but they just didn't, they didn't get it, you know? Like they had owned their own businesses. So it was almost like, well, I own a business, so I know what your business is like too. But I'm like, Hey, you own a business where you're driving to people's houses every day and doing work in their home. And you're like personally engaging with people. And I'm on the computer marketing myself. You're marketing on the radio and the newspaper. I'm marketing on Instagram. Like they're different things. And it's not that one is better than the other, but I just never liked that people have told what to do. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or like, just, it felt like my hard work was not as recognized because like, Oh, you're just on the computer. Like how hard can that be? You know? Yeah. Um, but my partner now is super, super supportive. And even though he doesn't get it, he understands that he doesn't get it. So he's just like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I support you. (laughs) And I'm like, thank you. I appreciate that. And I'm really lucky that because his job makes enough money to support our family that I am able to not have as much pressure on my business to support me or my family. And I, I do believe that that allows me to have some more fun and some more freedom and some more playfulness in my business. Cause I feel more comfortable trying something and potentially having it not work. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you touched on COVID and how it affected your like serving and how that freed up time. Um, Has COVID affected you in any other ways? Have you had to adjust your business or your strategies? I know that you'd said um, that you were going to do the in-person, but that didn't work. So was there any other big adjustments or things that you had to adapt since COVID hit? I think the biggest, it's not like really an adjustment, but it's had an effect on my business is I think this is just hundred percent my own theory is that because the world is so unpredictable, people are being more drawn to things like tarot and astrology and human design and spirituality in general, because they just want something to make sense of it. So they just want someone to tell them like, what's coming up for the next (laughs) month? Like, give me something to expect, even though I'm never going to be like, you're going to get pregnant, you're going to get engaged, you're going to win the lottery. I can at least tell you like, okay, like the next month is going to be about growth in relationships. So pay attention to the way that people react when you're talking about things you're excited about or pay attention to the way that you react when someone triggers you. Like I can at least give them that frame, 
So I think people, I think that's part of the reason why business is picking up too, is because people just want something to connect to right now when we feel, even though we're all on Zoom more often and they keep saying like, oh, when we can't be together, we're still together. Like, no, connecting with someone on Zoom is still not the same as me being in your house and we got our feet up on the couch and we're sharing a bottle of wine and eating off of the same plate of appetizers. And like, I give you a big hug, like Mm -hmm. it's not ever going to be the same, but I try to do fun online events, trivia nights, like tarot roulette, like let's just hang out and talk. Like let's just play with our tarot cards, like nothing serious, just to try to bring some of the stress out of all of it and give people a little bit of a break and as much connection as we can create on the computer. But I'm so, I love it, but I'm so ready to connect with people in person again. Like, I agree. People hugs. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to go to someone's house and not have to worry about someone calling the cops because my vehicle's in their driveway. Mm -hmm. I want to like have game nights and like make dinner for my friends and like share little, little, what's that with the cheese and the meat? Like fondue. Yeah. What's the, what are those trays called with the. Oh, charcuterie. Yeah. I just want to share a little charcuterie board with my friends. I know. I agree. It's the, that's what I've noticed. I think the biggest thing since COVID is that you don't have like, yes, this is great. And it's better than nothing. Like I couldn't imagine being in lockdown 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. However, Ever. this is not the same yeah it's just not the same mm-hmm. exactly um big question are you ready oh yeah how often do you feel like giving up oh my gosh probably like it feels like all the time but <laughs> like definitely at least once a month when I am on my cycle I get I like three weeks out of the month, I have enough optimism for every single person listening to this times 10. I'm like, you want to do that thing? Let's fucking do it. That's an awesome (laughs) idea. I'll help you create it. You can do anything. I'm like, do you remember that video of that little girl doing her on the sink? Yeah. I can do anything. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love my whole house. You know, like that's yes. when I'm like three weeks of the month. And then for one week of the month, I'm like, I'm the biggest loser in the world. And everybody <laughs> hates me. And I should just give up everything and go work in a bank for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> but the good thing is now I know that's coming. I figured it yes. out in May. I was on a uh, call with my business coach And I was like, I don't know, man, I'm just so overwhelmed. I feel like there's nothing I can do. That's right. And she's like, where are you on your cycle? I was like, oh, (laughs) it's starting tomorrow. She's like, yeah, that's it. So now I know not to plan anything for that time that requires me to be like super optimistic. Like that's my time to just like eat my chips and drink my wine and watch the Sex and the City movie (laughs) and have a bubble bath. Do you plan your business and schedule it around that? Is that one of the like freedoms and you kind of use that to your advantage? Yeah. So my cycle, the moon, astrology, that's one of my goals for 2021 because you got me this very handy day planner that has all of that on, not my cycle, but it has all the astrology (laughs) on the day planner. Um, So that's one thing I'm, I'm wanting to get even more specific at with like retrogrades and transits and like because I like to plan my theme tarot things around the astrology so this month I was all like yeah great conjunction I'm gonna do all this stuff for the conjunction and it's Yule and it's solstice and Capricorn season and then I got so excited about it that I totally forgot that I am also affected by all of that (laughs) energy So as much as I want to do tarot card readings for people, and I did, and I was able to, and it was great. I really want to remember first of all, is that I'm also being affected by the Mm -hmm. energies that are going on astrologically. So I want to be more specific in 2021 about like planning things around the cosmic events and that I'm being affected by them. And I probably need more rest than I think I do. 
<laughs> yeah, my dad has this ridiculous philosophy. It's something like, I'll sleep when I'm dead, but that doesn't actually work. Mm -mm. <laughs> like, you no. can't just bank it and then pull, like it doesn't work like that. And I um, find it's really disheartening when you set up all these goals and then the moon or your cycle or whatever is like, not today and yeah. just like flicks you off the path. Mm hmm exactly and the moon circles are one of the things that I would love to offer but because I'm a participant in moon cycles I'm like probably every other month I have this conversation with myself where I'm like you should leave those moon cycles and lead your own you know this stuff you can teach it to other people and then I'm like but for two hours I just get to sit and listen and connect and I don't have to be turned on the big difference when you can enjoy something as um, a guest versus being the one presenting the information. Mm -hmm. It's a completely different experience. Yeah. You, I find um, you don't get as much out of it when you're teaching because you're so busy trying to make sure that all the things are happening and everyone's doing their part and you're not forgetting anything. Yeah. And did I hit record? And yeah, yes. does look like they're having fun? Is my internet going to do something weird? And oh, I forgot my notes. Hold on. I just got to go grab them. And yeah. There's so many things going on in my brain. Like in November, I planned the launch for the intuitive reader community. And it was so much fun. I loved it so much, but it was like three weeks of nonstop planning and organizing and creating. And literally as soon as I hit end on the call, I just started crying. I was just like, what? I'm like so tired. Like it's over. I'm happy that it happened and I'm happy with how it went, but I'm also so ready to do nothing for like two days. <laughs> like when you graduate all that you know everything goes into it or your wedding and there's like this big and then you like go to bed then you're like that was it yeah I like 13 years and I that's it that was all <laughs> I wore my dress for like four hours that's it yeah or like Christmas you know Christmas like you yes. do so much to lead up to Christmas and then the day after like I was just like staring off into space and my dad's like you okay and I was like yeah I'm just so it's dead. a lot <laughs> yeah and when, especially when I find that you're like the woman of the house, like I love my husband, but do you know how many Christmas presents he bought this year? Zero. Do you know how many, how many he wrapped? Also zero, mm -hmm. you know? So like, I find it's on me to like pick them up and wrap them. And like, he doesn't go anywhere. So it, it works and he helps him bring them in and he does all the other things, but you're the whole time you're like, are they going to like it? Are they not? Is it going to fit? Like, mm -hmm. you know, there's just, and then when it's over, you're just like, <sighs> okay. Yeah. That big yeah. relief that the stress, the stress ball is gone. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, you can be excited about something and you can be happy about something and it can be overwhelming and stressful at the same time. Like they don't have to be mutually exclusive. Yeah, that's a, one of the biggest things I've learned about 2020. You can hate it and um, be over it and you can still be grateful and you know, like you don't have to just be one way or the other. You exactly. can have both sides of that coin and that's okay. Yeah. And I guess like being that social media, like presenting things, like how they're perfect. I feel like social media gives us like, it has to be one or the other. Like, do you, I'm sure you keep seeing those memes that I keep seeing that are like, what if 2020 wasn't the worst year ever? What if it was a year that you grew and did this and learned about yourself? And it's like, yeah, and it can also be the worst year ever. It can be a fucking terrible year that I hope never happens ever again. Ever, ever And again. I can recognize that I grew, but sometimes I want to like, just have a break for like a week, you know? But we didn't, we didn't get a break. <laughs> it's like those ones like, what are you grateful in 2020? I survived. Yeah. Okay. Like there, I can be grateful for all the things, but like, okay, I'm grateful for a roof over my head. I had that before. And I know, and I don't mean to come off as like someone who's entitled or, but like forcing gratitude doesn't mm -hmm. really mean you're grateful either. Yes. I was just reading something about that. Maybe it was something you posted, uh, it, but that was the gist of it. Like forcing people to be grateful. I think you sent it to me. Like forcing I people yeah. to be grateful doesn't make them grateful no like it doesn't work like that and it's like it's a shame cycle now we're like, oh, I'm not grateful enough like I'm a bad person because I'm not grateful 
about my safety and feeling grateful because you're feeling bad that you're not grateful is not the same feeling as feeling <laughs> grateful because you're grateful. Right. Like I will leave my clients and it happened, I don't know, just before Christmas, I was like leaving my clients and they sent me home with an amazing Christmas present. And they like sent my kids home Christmas presents. And I would like had that smile on my face. And I was like, I am so grateful for my clients. Like I am, I love them. They're part of my family. However, in the next breath, when I get a giant box of something that makes no sense and I've got bills to pay because they aren't working, they can't pay me. I cannot be grateful. And that's okay. Exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, I love that. Like there's some days where I get the email that says like, you sold a tarot card reading where I'm like, fuck, yes. yes. There's other days where I'm like, okay, I'm happy, but I'm also going to deal with this later. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Next time. Um, do you, um, how do you, how does it feel when you see other people succeeding on social media and real life? Like, how do you compare or not compare yourself to like the real world versus social media? Oh, I compare myself to everybody. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they're like right after I closed the yoga studio, there was specifically this one local yoga teacher. And like, so I own the yoga studio, like 18 months before COVID hit. And then within six weeks of COVID, everybody and their grandma had an online yoga studio. So I was like, <laughs> like I was grateful that I had, you know, hundreds of classes in the archives already. And I was able to offer those, but at the same time seeing people. So this is two things, seeing people do something better in their first six weeks than I did in my first six weeks would upset me. But then I would remember I had to come up with all of that by piecing together bits of information from podcasters and YouTubers and, figuring out all the things that worked for them and pieces together and to make something that worked for me. Whereas once COVID hit, that change happened on such a mass scale, there yeah. was easier ways to access that information. And there wasn't as much trial and error, but shortly after I closed the virtual yoga studio, there was a local teacher who like the yoga studios like had just closed again in Manitoba. You couldn't teach in person. And within a week she had like 40 people signed up for her $10 yoga class. No, it was the other way around. 10 people signed up for her $40 yoga package. And I was like, she just made $400 like gross. That's not net, but like she just made $400 and I'm like fighting for every single 20 bucks. And in those moments, like I do beat myself up. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like, why can't you figure it out? Or I get like really mad at the universe and I'm like, <laughs> I, I want this to make it happen for me, you know? So like, I do compare myself to people a lot. And in my head, it is constant. Like, you're not good enough. You're not doing enough. And then remembering like, this just isn't the path for you. This isn't what you're supposed to be doing. There's something else out there for you. So grow and release. But that's, I think all of us, like, especially oh, yeah. in spirituality is like, you're, you're, you're both at the same time. It's not like you start becoming spiritual and you never think negative thoughts about yourself ever again. You just, I wish that was learn. true. I know, right. <laughs> that could be so much easier. You just learn how to witness them and override them and you get through them more quickly. They don't turn into, for myself, they don't, they might be like a, a one day session of like being down on myself rather than like six weeks or like actually giving up. Like I might say I want to give up, but I never <laughs> will. Cause I, my trick is to like actually visualize myself at 45 and working in a bank for the last 15 years and feeling how miserable I would be if I was just slogging into work at a behind a desk for every day. So that makes all of it. <laughs> worth it. <laughs> but yeah, like when I see other people succeeding, especially in like the yoga fields, like it really like, I'm like, Oh, why couldn't I just figure it out? But then I'm like, you weren't doing it because it didn't feel good to you. And if it doesn't feel good to you, then it's not what you're meant to be doing. So it's just like constantly reminding myself of that. Yeah, I find um, the brain needs to override or you will just go down the rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. There's nothing good down the rabbit holes ever, Never. ever. No. 
Um, do you find that your family and your friends support you when you do new endeavors? Do you find you're kind of alone? How does that work for you? I've created my support network of new friends. Like I found people who support me and made them into my friends and like my chosen family. Um, Cause it's not that anyone in my life doesn't support me, but they don't get it. So it's just, they're like, yeah, that's awesome. Like I'm happy for you, but they don't sign up for anything. They don't join anything. Like sometimes they don't even like re respond. And I'm like, okay, I guess fuck me then, <laughs> you know? But I just learned with those people, like it's a core belief of mine that we can't, that every person in our life is there for an individual reason. Like no one person can give you everything. Mm -hmm. So I just remember what those people are good for in my life and what they do give me. And then I just looked other places for that support. So like my business coach and that group, like I get so much support from them because I went out and found it or people in the spiritual social network or business friends like you and Megan, like people who do get it. I just worked more on those relationships to grow them into the support network that I desired. Do you find growing up in a small town affected that? Like, did it um, help like lead you down the path to realize you needed to create that circle or how did that? I think so. Cause when you, and like, I, I was going to say when you grow up in a small town, but I don't know what it's like to grow up in a city. I'm sure it's probably the same thing, but you, you end up being friends with the people who were there. You don't yeah. really get a choice. You know, not that I didn't choose my friends. I love my friends. Like, don't get me wrong, but like they don't have the same interests as me. Like mm -hmm. if I met them now, then relationship probably wouldn't have the time to nurture and grow into what it is because there's not enough similar interests to be that foundation. Mm -hmm. um, but then there have been some people I reconnected with and that I, that I wasn't really friends with, but now we're more friends now. Cause they're like, Oh, you're interested in that stuff. Like I'm interested in that stuff. Like that's so cool. Um, so yeah, I guess like growing up in a small town, also like growing up in a small town can go two separate ways of being either like hiding who you are or just being like fuck it and I was definitely like the <laughs> fuck it route I was just like this is me and I know lots of you don't like it and I don't care <laughs> it's legit yeah I think that is the majority of the questions is there anything that you want to touch on that I may have missed about being an entrepreneur I don't think so I think we pretty much covered what my experience is like and then in future episodes I always have lots to say so if you're still interested in learning more about me like just keep listening and you'll <laughs> hear me talk about myself a lot <laughs> and like of course if anyone listening has like questions or comments or if you just want to say like hey I listened to your episode like it was awesome like don't don't message me and tell me you didn't like it that'll hurt my feelings <laughs> but like just feel free to send me a message on instagram or join the spiritual social network and connect that way because like crystal started out as a client now she's a friend like i'm not i that's something i always have to keep reminding myself is like every buddy on instagram is a human being you know, yes. we're, we all just want connection. We all just want understanding. We all just want to be seen and heard and validated. So like, I am a human being. Like, Be my friend. Be my friend. Please be my friend. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Crystal, for taking the time out of your day to interview me. This is so fun. Thank you for sharing your story. I even learned things today and I thought I knew you pretty well. Ooh, that's the thing. That's the thing with let's normalize it. Like they're conversations that we don't just sit around and have. Like you don't just get together with your girlfriends and be like, so how's your bank account lately? You in debt? <laughs> <laughs> Are you making your payments or how's that working out for you? But wouldn't it like, can you imagine what life would be like if those were normal conversations where if you could just be like, Hey, I'm having a really hard time making my bills this month. And like, it wasn't about pity. It wasn't about like handouts just straight up. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm struggling. You're struggling. We're all struggling. Cause that's normal. 
Well, and I think a lot of it has to do with people put so much worth in their salary and their money and people don't want to reveal those cards because then it might not make them feel worthy in the circle. That's a whole other thing. This like charge what you're worth. It's like you are a human being. There is no dollar amount on what makes you special and your knowledge and the way you help people and the way you make people feel. There's no amount of money that you can charge that would be what that is worth. So charge what your program is worth, charge what your product is worth, but don't wrap up who you are in how much you charge. Right. And if you're comfortable with that, I mean, yes, I would love to be worth worth $400 an hour. My clients can't afford that. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I'd rather, I'd rather change a whole bunch of lives and get by than have one client and maybe help them. Mm-hmm. That was a big thing when I was teaching yoga, like in Vancouver, you can charge $25, $30 for a yoga class, but I was teaching yoga in a city of 50 people where there was four yoga studios and like not all, oh, what did I say? 50 people, 50,000 people. Like you know, out of those 50,000 people, maybe 1,000 of them are actually doing yoga. And then there's four options for the yoga studios for them to go to. Like if I'm trying to charge $25 an hour, because quote unquote, that's what I'm worth because I'm certified in four different styles. And I was a yoga teacher trainer for three years. Like, no, I was worth hundreds of dollars an hour, but no one was going to be able to afford that. So I can make myself feel special and stroke my ego by making that my hourly rate, but I wasn't going to make any money and I wasn't going to help anybody. Right. And that's not why we do it ultimately. I mean, yes, making money is a nice byproduct, but that's not why we get up in the morning and create our connections and our communities and change lives. That's not it. Exactly. If we were just waking up because we want to make money, we would be Jeff Bezos. We would be a billionaire, but we would be alone and have a disgusting piece of shit. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much, Crystal. And thank you everybody for listening. And the episode where I get to interview Crystal is up next. So check that out and I will connect with you in another episode of Let's Normalize It.